What up, what up? We are back with a second episode of Inside Inner County. I'm your host, well, one of your hosts, Andrew Stewitz, joined alongside veteran and, you know, co-host. Are you a co-host veteran now, too? Like, veteran co-host? I mean, it's the second one. Does that qualify? Like, how many episodes do you need before you're a veteran? Well, it's the second episode of this one, but technically... Like the fourth recording. See, I like I also had. I also struggled with that when I was playing in the league because people were calling me a veteran after four years, but that was weird to me because I was like twenty one, and I'm like, can you be a veteran of anything at twenty one? I think you can. I think the weird thing now is that sometimes you get called a veteran like two years into the league, though. Like the MLB has a really bad tendency to do that. They're like, well, look at this veteran, and I'm like, Spencer Strider isn't a veteran. <laughs> He's had. This is like what? Isn't this a second year, full year anyway? I'm like, you're not a veteran. You're, you're a pitcher. You're a sophomore. You you've been here for yeah. two years. You're now like you no longer have to carry the equipment bag. And now or, where do you where do you differentiate between like veteran and like what comes before old? that? What comes before veteran? Yeah, like what like superstar? What's that I guess period? you'd have to go superstar. But what right? if you're not a superstar? What if you're just like bench Kevin player, Biggio? like a bench player? You're good. You're just a dude. You're in the MLB. You're just a guy. And then what about like Miguel Cabrera? Veteran? Legend? That guy's just old. old? Yeah, legend. Like what do you go? Living, like, living legend. Living legend. Active like, legend. Pujols last year, living legend. Yep. My boy. Yep. Golly. We get it, dude. You're a Cardinals fan. You know, I still hate Apple TV for putting that uh, Dodgers the series. home run, right? Dude, thank God I had... Or finessed my way into it I don't know if it was a glitch in the Matrix or what But I finessed my way into watching it That's brutal We're not shouting we Apple do, TV We could do a whole podcast on yeah, we could. MLB and Apple TV But that's not what we're here to do We're here to talk about a different baseball league The Inner County Baseball League That's right Another round of power rankings Another week complete in the league Obviously, in case you haven't seen the power rankings, there have been some movement, at least from the middle of the order and towards the end of the pack, but lo and behold, well in Jackfish fans, you can celebrate hanging out at number one yet again this week. Um, Chris, I really like what you did with the power rankings this week in introducing um, an MLB team equivalent. I think for a lot of readers and a lot of listeners, that's a really nice way to intertwine the two and almost, I guess, differentiate between the talent levels and and the status of each team every week. So I know you're getting creative, and maybe we won't see this again next week, but hey, put it in your back pocket, because I I dig it. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, some of these are imperfect. Obviously, there's... uh it's a little bit more difficult when you're dealing with an eight-team league and comparing it to a thirty-team league. Of course, uh, but I, uh, yeah, I think uh, from from the people I've heard from, at least, uh, seems like most people think it's fairly fairly accurate. Um, Where do you want to start? I mean, we can just work backwards. We sure, I like from, the working backwards. Yeah, that's kind of what we did. Uh, what so, we did unfortunately, last week, right? we got to talk about. Well, I guess not. I always struggle. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. It's tough being at the bottom, but it's also like you said, it's an eight-team league. I mean, <laughs> before uh, sorry, before you get into that, do we want to tease uh, what uh, what we've got coming? Well, now we have to. Of, uh, 
I figure we might as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Folks, this is a two-part episode. Um, of course, we're going to dive into some power rankings and bring you that right now on Tuesday. And check out later in the week where we are going to be bringing you an interview. That's right, our first podcast interview with a outfielder. Chris, who are we going to be speaking with later today? And then we're going to be bringing that episode to everybody on, I think, Fridays. Thursdays or Fridays. Thursdays, yeah, maybe. One or the other. Okay, Thursday or really Friday. We locked that down. But, but who are we bringing in this week? Yeah, and I think this is something, first of all, uh, the reviews early on a first podcast episode ever with two guys who've never done a podcast before. Um, pretty strong from everybody. And so. I want to thank everybody, too, though. I because, do as well. Yeah, big shout out to everybody who was listening. I know that the. The numbers speak for themselves, and you guys, uh, the listenership, are the best. And we, uh, we're we looking forward to continuing um, to bring you more of that success. Anyway. Yeah, and a lot of people were saying that they, you know, uh, they wanted it almost to be longer, uh, or which I thought, honestly, uh, listening to my voice for an hour is enough for, for most people. But, yeah, uh, you know, if the people too. want more content, then we'll give them more content. So I think going forward, we're going to try to do two episodes a week, one where we break down the power rankings, break down the league uh, with me and Andrew, and one where we bring on a guest. Um, and this week's guest is a uh, former playoff MVP, uh, been in the league for a long time as well, I think um, 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. Nice. Um, he joined the league as well, and he's been a mainstay and one of the best hitters in the league ever since, maybe the best left-handed hitter um, consistently that the league has had in the last six or seven years. Shout out lefties. Yeah, shout out lefties. Uh, London Majors outfielder Byron Reichstein uh, will be joining us. And we're Steiner. Gonna be talking. Does and we're, he go by Steiner? No, he goes by Rambo. Whoa, yeah. I can't wait to get into that. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely talk to him about that. But yeah, we're going to break down uh, what's going on around the league, talk a little bit about him, and... Uh, and yeah, so you guys can look forward to that later on this week, uh, getting ready for the weekend action. That's awesome. Very much, very excited to do that. Um, right. So, without further ado, that thank you for reminding me to do that. Yeah. That would have been a brutal edit when everybody has to hear <laughs> a random pause for me to then put a, an ad, essentially, in the middle of that. Anyway, power rankings. What week are we in? We, oh, Jesus week six. We're in week six. Oh, week six. I'll be okay. Yeah. Week six. Week two of the podcast, week six of the league. There we are. The bottom of the pack is still kind of the bottom of the pack, at least for this week. Of course, as we know, anything can change any given week. You string together a couple of wins, and all of a sudden you find yourself changing power ranking positions. But, lo and behold, Brantford Red Sox, um, they're getting the Oakland Athletics comparison. Oof. Hit me with, uh, hit me with why, why Oakland? And I'm assuming it's not the, uh, you know, boycott, come out and cheer for our team kind of vibe. It's more of the uh, product that's on the field vibe. Um, it's a little bit of both, Oof. honestly. Uh, and I've been struggling with how I want to approach this because I don't want to disrespect any of the volunteers in Brantford or Never. anybody who puts in the effort because I know there's a lot of people who do. Um, you know, I know the broadcasters there put in the effort and uh, on-field on field crew and stuff like that, getting the field ready, things like that. You know, those people work really hard and, you know, they do it because 
they love to do it, not because they're getting paid to do it necessarily. But um, unfortunately, the standard of the IBL has been raised and Brantford hasn't adjusted and they've almost gone in the opposite direction. Brantford from where they were, and we talked a little bit about this last week, winning all their championships and putting together competitive teams. The on-field product right now is unfortunately just a microcosm of what's going on around the franchise. And unfortunately, I don't think that ownership has necessarily put them in a position to where the fan base has a product that they can be proud of and that they want to come out and support and spend their spend their money on and and spend their time on which is unfortunate and there are a lot of loyal fans uh one of the most well-known fans in the league actually uh IBL super fan and Cham- and Chamberlain uh she's a Brantford Red Sox fan and she still bless her heart goes to all the games and and tries to tries to get out there as much as she can and support her Red Sox, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of a lot of the other fans around there, um, not that they don't care, but they haven't been given a reason to want to show up to the field, right? And to want to come out and and support the team, and you know, Brantford again looked like they might pick up their third win of the season on Saturday, and Barry blew an eight nothing lead uh, to the Baycats, and it's kind of just been you know the the every every week it feels like we're going to say the same thing about about the Brantford Red Sox and uh it's unfortunate I hope that they they turn it around they're so close well it seems like they're they're close you know what I mean well it's not I, I don't think they're close but they there is a blueprint to turn things around um as we mentioned last week it's not going to happen overnight but they need buy-in from uh, they need a little bit of a of a commitment and buy in from the ownership and from the front office staff to put them in a position to rebound from this. And it's not going to be easy, but if you know, it's it's unfortunate to see Brantford down here. I don't want to see any team this uh, in, in the spot that they're in, but unfortunately, that's where we're at. So hopefully, something changes going forward. But it starts at the top, and if the guys at the top don't do what is necessary to improve the off-field product, then the on-field product is going to suffer as well. Well, if uh, if anybody in the Brantford system is listening, use us. We will gladly help you find a way to build the off-field product. You know, we'll promote. We'll uh, you know chat. We'll I don't know, do something. Um, like you say, it's unfortunate when you don't have that buy-in necessarily from the uppers because it's clear and when the players show up every day um it's not necessarily the on-field product that's yeah and the players are who the players are right Right. like they're gonna show up and they're gonna try their best and and put together their best effort but there's only so much you can do you know like they like Brantford obviously isn't the most talented team in the league and you can't ask dudes to be who like better than they actually are you can't expect a guy who you know like a guy like um like we mentioned last week Danny Howitt he's a nice pitcher right but they're asking him to be their best pitcher and it's unfair to ask him to be at that level and pitch at the level of a you know a Jake Harford or or a Frank Garces these guys at the top of the league um it's unfair to ask him to do that so you got to supplement these guys with with more talent and better talent and again it's it starts with off the field and showing that buy-in and showing that care um 
And so, yeah, hopefully they they find a way to turn that around. Well, moving up the leaderboard, I suppose you can call it. Do we call it a leaderboard? The power ranking board? Power so many rankings. boards you can call it. Yeah. Moving on up. Huh. Go figure. London Majors. And who are you comparing them to? Your the boys. Saint, yeah, golly, the St. Louis Cardinals, which at first glance sounds like you're just calling them not, you know, just underwhelming. Talented, have, uh, you know, all the right pieces to be a lot better than what their record is showing. But unfortunately, coming up just that little bit short, now with a 4-8 and eight record this weekend, or I guess this past week didn't do them any favors. What gives with the Cardinals dig? Yeah, the Majors have lost five in a row now, going back to last Saturday um, when they started that losing streak. And, you know, it's it's a lot of the same. It's just pitchers not doing their job, not getting timely hitting when they need it. And, yeah, just flat-out o- underwhelming, right? Um, a lot of the pieces from previous like from last year, are still there. Um, a few of them are. Now, you know, some of those guys have performed adequately. Some of those guys are are not necessarily um, doing as well as they have in the past. But at the end of the day, uh, one of the things that London has always had uh, going back the last few years is a dominant import arm. And this year they don't seem to have that. And they made a move to try to address that, where they added um, uh, lefty pitcher. Let me get. Let me make sure I pronounce the name correctly. Anferny Benitez, uh, who made his debut on Friday. Now, you don't want to necessarily judge him on his first outing, but the first right. outing wasn't great. He walked eleven guys in two and two thirds innings. Now, you know, you might say that he was left out to dry, but you know, you bring these guys over here from. The Dominican Republic or from wherever and they're expected to perform now I did hear uh, from a source in London that he landed um, like his plane landed at like four in the morning on Friday morning and then he was asked to pitch at seven which I would say that's a questionable decision but yeah it's a little bit and, of a dick move to be and, honest and so that's a that's a difficult it's a difficult spot to be in but at the same time that's why you're here right I get um, it that's and tough, 11 though. walks. That's a tough situation, though. But, I mean, you look... Yeah, you can look at it. It's a double at, you know. it. It's shitty both ways. Yes. It doesn't matter what time your plane gets in. You're here to perform. Get ready to perform. And 11 walks is not the way to do it. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. You're not really giving your, your team any chance to, to succeed when you do that, right? Last year, they had, um, they had Arias, who was... As dominant an arm as you can find, mm-hmm. um, as you're going to find in this league, and he was outstanding. And the combination of him and Boone, that's kind of been their mo um, the last few years is pair somebody with Owen Boone and have those two guys kind of carry you, right? And London's never really had a strong bullpen, and that's the case again this year. And when your starters aren't giving you that length, it's going to be really tough to win. Now their bullpen did keep them in the game on Sunday. Uh, against Barry, and they made a late comeback. It was close. I mean, yeah, they had that four-run eighth inning. Yeah. That kind of made it, well, definitely made it a game. Um, but It's also uh, tough to wait till the eighth inning to start scoring runs. That's right? also, it's, yeah, that's also four runs on five hits compared to 
the 10 hits that you allowed on the other side. Yeah, and so I don't I don't know, and, and I said the same thing about the St. Louis Cardinals, and I kind of maintain it. I don't think they're as bad as they've looked, but at some point, you know, we're now almost a third of the way through the season. you got to look at the evidence and say, hey, you know, like at what point are they who they're telling us they are? You know, so right. it's going to be up to them to change the narrative. But as of right now, things aren't uh, things aren't looking too great for a three-peat um, in, uh, in London. No, no. Uh, De Los Santos, though, eight strikeouts in that game on Sunday. Just want to... Yeah, that was good to see. He was really good a couple years ago. Um, Seven innings, you know, yeah, the four earned stinks, and the nine hits is what it is. Um, But, yeah, eight strikeouts over seven innings. I always like to shouts to that because (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) You're not the only one who can't throw baseball, Lazar. Anyway, moving on up just a little bit here. Six spot, staying in the six spot. That's right. They did not move this week. But another team that kind of, I guess from an MLB comparison, as you're comparing them, sorry, to the Cleveland Guardians, that's just another mediocrity moment for me. Um, At least in an MLB stance, I can't stand watching the Guardians play baseball. It's just, I I don't know what, it's not small ball, it's not anything. It's just unentertaining baseball. Not to say the same about the Royals. With the I can't say the same about the Royals necessarily. At least they're entertaining to watch. They put up runs. They put up some runs, you know. but like the Guardians, they kind of lack power. Yes. Um, how many home runs do they have on the year? Four. That's tough. How yep. do you now six weeks in four home runs? Where did the power go in Guelph? Yeah, just to give you an idea, uh, there are currently five players in the league that have five or more home runs and the Royals as a team only have four so it's um now it's tough when you lose the all-time home run leader in the league Sean Riley from last year they're really really missing his bat in the middle of that order um and it's very obvious the guys that they have right now just don't hit that's just not their game right like they don't they don't hit for power and the the IBL's always been a a hitter's league where power tends to reign supreme. Uh, it's You're not expecting anyone to hit necessarily 15 to 20 homers in a season, but you'd like to see more than four home runs over, what is it now, you know, 12 games or so Yeah, for them. So it's uh, 14 games and, and, you know, four homers, that's just, you're, you're not – it's tough to get back into ball games when you're trailing, right? And the Gulf Royals have found themselves trailing a lot. Uh, a well, lot. Look at that score from the year. weekend. Saturday was not a good game for the Royals. No, Saturday was tough. They got they got dummied a little bit. Yeah, Saturday was definitely tough. Fourteen um, to four. In case you didn't catch the score from the weekend, fourteen to four. Yeah. They put up a little bit more of an effort against Welland than they should have won though. that game. You think they so? should have won that game? They were up three. No- they were up three. No. I don't know if they were up three nothing, but they were up in that game, and um, yeah, they were up two nothing after after the top of the second, yeah, and then three two heading to the bottom of the fifth, and then in the seventh, they really just gave the game away, uh, you know, a couple of errors here, a passed ball there, and um, they kind of just handed the Well and Jackfish that game, which you know, as we said last week, well, as we said last week, if you're going into the eighth inning and you're trailing against. The fish, you're you're in trouble, right? Because no Davey Mendez is lurking, and so 
you know, they put up a good fight. Uh, Narita has been effective for them. Still would like to see him walk a few less guys, but he's been he's been effective. He's probably been their, their most effective pitcher. Yeah. But they're going to need to hit more extra base hits. They're going to need to to find a little bit more power. And they they might add some some guys. I know they made a few additions um, either last night or the day before uh, for the next for the coming for the rest of the season. Yeah, they bolstered their lineup with a trio of signings. Um, that trio being utility player Chris Robinson. Oh, I'm going to butcher this one. Catcher. Tony Hernkew. Okay, you clearly know it, and yep. I love that. I'm just throwing me under the bus. You do it. My, <laughs> probably my favorite name in the league, um, for no reasons that I shall name. Infielder Kyle Cush. Kyle Cush. Yeah, Kyle Cush has been a he's been a decent player. He had a good year at Canisius. Well, he's officially my new favorite player. Nice. For reasons <laughs> I shall not name on this podcast. Um, Robinson is 30 so you know he's uh he's he's my age and he's uh he's a utility player what can you tell me about this trio good for you know good signings mediocre signings i've you know like do they jump out at you is kind of how i was weighing that not are they mediocre of course they're not they're pro yeah, time will tell time will tell uh obviously They've really struggled at the catcher position, and so I think uh, I think Tony Harinku is actually going to help them a lot. Uh, he's been a good player. Kyle Cush has been there for the last little while, uh, last couple of years. He's been kind of in and out of the lineup because he's still in college. Uh, I actually don't know if he graduated or not. If he didn't, or if he did graduate, that's going to be big for them because he'll be around for the playoffs, right. which he hasn't been uh, for the last few years. But. It's not necess- I don't think it's going to do a ton for them when it comes to the power. I know Chris Robinson has a little pop. Well, uh, Harinku also has a little pop. His manager's calling him a no-brainer addition to the team. And He's a very good basically, player. Basically calling him the, the pro's pro. Um and like you said, he's he's played in Guelph before. It's a bit of a homecoming for him. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, he's a he's he's a good player. Um you know, he's kind of been around uh, the professional ranks for a little bit, and you'll see that a lot as guys get older and they don't really feel like pursuing the dream anymore because they're you know 29, 30, and it's like okay, I'm not really close to the big leagues. And they'll come home and they'll play in the IBL, and you know they'll be really successful. And I think Chris Robinson, I'm pretty sure he played this. Uh, yeah, he played on uh, on Sunday in Welland, went one for three, uh, batted in the nine hole. That's probably just because he hasn't played right in a while, but. Yeah, he should be he should be a welcome addition. Uh, Harinku, I know, has a little bit of pop. That should help them out at the catcher position where they've really struggled uh, to find any offensive consistency. But uh, yeah, I mean, any any additions to their lineup right now, I think, would be would be welcome. Well, a team that has been up and down since our last pod, since our first pod, I like that inaugural pod. <laughs> The Kitchener Panthers, eight and seven record now. Um, they drop a spot from four to five. MLB comparison to the Boston Red Sox. That's right, Boston Red Sox. I'm not sure if I did this, but shouts Nick Dunham, my boy Nick Dunham. He's a Red Sox fan. Mm. At least when they're winning. I don't know if when they're not. If he's cool to admit that. Um, 
Also, Phoenix Suns fan. Just a random piece of info for anybody who knows. It's a weird and or, combo. Hey, he's an all star. Um, this uh, Dunham guy. Anyway, back to Kitchener Panthers. They put up a 16 spot uh, against the Red Sox of all teams, um, leading up to the weekend, and then they do the opposite um, on Sunday where they kind of put up, not a stinker, um, but they, they don't have their best game against Hamilton. Um, what's going down with, uh, with the Panthers? Yeah, with Kitchener, it's, uh, it's the reason I use the Red Sox, and it's in the article there. They, you know, they started off really hot. Uh, you know, their pitching was, was adequate. Their offense was off the charts, but as I mentioned a couple weeks into the into the power rankings, that at some point this offense is going to cool down, and when they do, the pitching is going to have to step up. And unfortunately, that trade off hasn't really panned out uh, the last little while. The Panthers have lost five of their last seven games after starting the season as one of the top teams in the league, so they've kind of fallen back and regressed a little bit. Uh, I think their offense is, you know kind of been up and down lately you know you'll see some games where they score five and then other games they'll score nine or as you said on on uh on friday they scored 16 against mm-hmm. Brantford. but uh you know they're if your offense scores five runs you should at least have a chance in that game and sure. unfortunately they've scored five runs in their last four games um actually even going back further than that they've scored five runs in their last six games and how many wins do they and have they've in won that twice in there that span go. right and two of those and and only one of those losses was by two runs or less right the game on thursday in welland was a competitive game but again you give up eight runs it's going to be tough to win and so they're they're going to need a little bit more from their from their pitching christian Houck, you know had one of his worst starts on sunday but he still only gave up three earned over six innings so he was still pretty effective. The issue is their bullpen gave up five runs over the last two innings. And so um, they're going to need a little bit more from their pitching staff if they're going to get to where they want to get to. And I think they're capable of it. I think their pitching staff is better than than what they've shown. But there has been some regression back to back to what we kind of expected. Well, a team that I feel has played... Gosh, I feel like this team has played forever, moving up the rankings now to number four. Um, I've, sorry, I, yeah, I don't... Now that I've said it out loud, I don't actually remember the last sentence I just said. So What did that mean? I don't actually know. I don't think it was... I think it was like four thoughts in one sentence, so I apologize um, for that. This is what happens when you're talking for a while. I you feel like... The, you don't realize what you're talking about. You're right, which is awful. Um, <laughs> that's how you get canceled. Um, a team that I feel has played... A lot since uh, last Tuesday. The Barry Baycats, again, my favorite team name in the league, the Barry Baycats. They Have you figured out in. what a Baycat is yet? No, we're still trying to find out what a Baycat is. If anyone um, from Barry wants to come on and tell us what a Baycat is, that'd be great. We'd if, appreciate that. If Barry the Baycat, I'm sure that's his name. If Barry the ba- if Barry the Baycat is out there, please come and give us your insight as to what you are. Speaking of what you are, the Baycats are showing signs that they are a strong team and one that can put up 
a win any night. You don't want to count them out. And they saw a lead dissipate um, against, you know, Brantford. They were losing 8 nothing. They saw that lead disappear because of how they battled back. And they ended up winning that game 12-11 against Brantford on Saturday. The Baycats are getting a comparison to the San Francisco Giants. So you're saying that they can hit really well and they're playing decent defense. You like how that's my analysis of the San Francisco Giants? <laughs> yeah, the thing with this one is I had a tough time figuring out what to what to compare Barry to. Um, I don't think there is a strong comp to this. The reason I came up with that one was just because I was looking at the standings, the MLB standings, and I'm like, oh my God, the San Francisco Giants are all of a sudden really good for whatever reason. They and, can hit and play decent defense. And 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 you don't really know why, but it's kind of just, they, they kind of just find ways to win games. And so um, I will give Barry credit. They have found ways to win games. Now, I think if we're going to talk about um, actual analysis of what's going on in Barry and whether or not this is sustainable and if they're going to keep winning at the rate that they have in the last couple weeks. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I think time will tell. Uh, They're finding ways to win games, but also six of their eight wins this season have been by two runs or less. And it's a a lot of one-run games and two-run games in the IBL are uh, very much, there's a couple bounces go one way or the other, and they've had the bounces go their way so far. Those things tend to even out over the course of a 42-game season. Right, won't last forever. Right, and so they're going to have to start um, you know, beating teams by a more significant margin if we're going to believe that they're one of the top-end teams in the league. But they've definitely shown that they can hang and that they're, they're a, um, a competent team and, and, and all that. So they're not, you know, they're, not in that bottom, they're not in that bottom half. I don't think they're necessarily in the top tier either. They're somewhere in the middle. But yeah, they uh, you know ever since I called them average, they won four straight. So I was gonna say if they're if they are a mirage of a um, strong team, they're fooling me. Um, I think they're legit. So those bait cats again. Let's find out what a bait cat is. But as long as they keep winning, maybe that's a secret best kept to themselves. That sounded like I was almost pitching a trailer. That was crazy. Um, <laughs> Hamilton, what's going on? I don't know on? what it was, but it was cool. What's going on, Hamilton Cardinals? That's right. Week two. Now, in week six, they are third. That was a lot of numbers there. But number three, the Hamilton Cardinals. They're having a good year. And it seems that anytime they step onto a ball field, they're favorites. Now... You're comparing them to the Arizona Diamondbacks, whom, if I remember from, you know, just years past and all of that, the the Diamondbacks have been showing a lot of promise, that they that they can be a really strong team, that they can hang. What are you, uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, Hamilton's a, they're a scrappy bunch. They've always been. A scrappy bunch. Uh, nobody loves to go and play Hamilton. You know you're going to have to, you know, play hard to win. 
at least in the last four or so years. That yeah. wasn't necessarily the case for a while before that. But, yeah, this year it just seems that they're just, you know, and I think saying that they're favorites going into every game, I don't necessarily know if that's even true. I think a lot of people might look at, you know, when they play Kitchener and say, you know, Kitchener's got this high-powered offense. You look at Hamilton and nothing really jumps off the page. Um, kind of similar to Barry in that sense. But they're beating teams, and they're beating teams convincingly. Um, whereas that's the difference, I think, between them and Barry is Barry's winning these games close. Hamilton's blowing teams out of the water. You know, losing 5-3 to Barry on Friday, ironically. But then coming out Saturday and winning 14-4, coming out Sunday, coming back from down 5 nothing and scoring 10 unanswered runs to beat the Kitchener Panthers. You know, even going back a couple weeks to... You know, a 14-5 win against Toronto, a 12-5 win against Toronto, uh, who everybody looks at as one of the top teams in the league. You know, when they're winning games, they're not winning them close. They are blowing teams out. And so, um, you know, the Arizona Dimebacks have kind of caught people off guard this year, and they're the top. I think they have the best record in the National League, uh, you know, on the backs of MVP candidate first-year player Corbin Carroll, similar to first-year player Clayton Keyes, who's been – kind of their spark plug offensively, uh, you know, combined with Tyler Duncan, who just had a great week. And they, uh, yeah, they look like they, they're they going to be a bit of a problem. And I don't think anybody is uh, is looking forward to going up against Hamilton here. No kidding. It's going to be some exciting stuff going forward for that team. Yeah, and they're drawing crowds, which they haven't done, like, ever. Um, well, that's good. It means they'll people out there in Hamilton are taking notice of a good ball club. Well, and this is the antithesis to uh, the Brantford Red Sox that we were talking about earlier, right? Where we said that the ownership there and the the people at the top aren't really putting in their best effort. Hamilton's the complete opposite. Everybody is busting their ass to, to do everything that they can and make that an attractive product both with putting a competitive team on the field, which is step one, but then also, you know, all of the off-field stuff that they've done that they haven't done for years uh, is really paying dividends. And so, um, yeah, they're going to be a they're going to be a really a really interesting team to watch going forward. Well, a team that we get to watch a little bit more frequently because they play in our backyard, the number two on this list this week the Toronto Maple Leafs drawing comparisons to the Los Angeles Angels does that mean that you're you're comparing um, Sam Green to Shohei Otani and and like JJ Dutton to Trout or what's going on here I mean I don't think it's fair to compare anybody to Shohei Otani Sam Green no I'm, I'm sure he won't be offended if I say that I don't think he can swing a bat Quite to the same. I effect. suppose. I guess I wasn't looking at the two-way player aspect. Yeah. I keep forgetting that Shohei Otani is an absolute monster. Yeah. And it's a. It's an un. It's it's not a perfect comparison. No. Uh, I was more so looking for a team where the offense is off the charts, but the pitching is suspect, and we have question marks about it. And I think that the Angels probably fit that mold the best. Uh, I think the Leafs have a better chance to win a championship than the Angels do. They're both kind of trying to get over separate humps. The Angels are trying to make it into the playoffs. 
while the Leafs are trying to win two more games at the end of the season and win a title. How do the Leafs do that with a 7.2 ERA? Well, you're not going to. That's the thing. You're not going to win if, you're, if your ERA as a team is that high. And I don't think stats necessarily are everything. But, um, you know, their ERA doesn't actually lie about how their pitching staff has performed for the most part. And they're going to need more from those arms. And I think that uh, general manager Jeff Lounsbury has a trick or two up his sleeves. Uh, I know last year when he was the general manager in Hamilton, he added a couple guys later on in the season that were effective. I could see him doing the same thing in Toronto, and I think he's going to have to if the Leafs are going to get over that hump. They're missing that ace that they had last year in Angel Castro, uh, and they're they're missing that, and they're missing a lockdown closer, which they also had last year. And so I think if they can address those two things – their offense is fine. They don't need to do anything to the lineup. They actually just added Garrett Takamatsu again, who is one of the best hitters in the league. He's back. He's going to help their offense. I don't think they need to touch their lineup much at all. I think they have the pieces there, but they need a couple arms. And if they don't get those arms, it's tough for me to see them competing for a championship. But I don't. I don't put it past them to um, to go out and get those guys. So. We'll see what they do. You know, they're definitely one of the top end teams in the league, but they're going to need to to work on their run prevention if they're going to to get to where they want to get to. Are there any names that floating around in your head that uh, might fit that sort of mold in Toronto? It's it's so tough because like it like you just know anybody? Well, when it comes <laughs> when it comes to the IBL, it's it's difficult, right? Because all these guys come from so many different places, and you get them from all over the place, and odds are you've never heard of any of them uh, before they come in, right? Like you'll, there's a couple guys who come back, and there's a couple guys who uh, who you might have heard of before that'll that'll return or, or come to the league, but for the most part, it's guys you don't know that management has identified as you know through connections or whatever that hey these guys are really good players, you should probably go sign them. So, um, and a lot of it comes up with the turnover from the Frontier League and Canadians getting cut from uh, independent ball. And so maybe one or two of those guys become available and they can sign them. Uh, Again, I don't really have any names right now of guys that that could be. I know Julian Tomachko just got there. He pitched pitched for Quebec for a cup of coffee in the Frontier League, so that could help them. Uh, He's definitely got uh, top-end talent. The, the The ceiling is fairly high for him um he just hasn't been super consistent when he's been in the IBL but yeah if they can add a couple more guys like that I think that they can they can piece something together and finally the number one team on the power rankings list for week six is a pretty good team you could call the uh, well in jackfish definitely above average the, um, Only slightly. Yeah, I was going to say, playing in front of a record crowd of over 2,600 fans on Sunday afternoon at the Pond, they put up their 11th straight victory with a 5-3 win over the Guelph Royals. They are obviously drawing comparisons, in an MLB sense, to the Tampa Bay Rays, kind of setting themselves apart creating that distance in the standings. Welland, 
I mean, what more do you need to say about other than the fact that they're just a a juggernaut right now? Yeah, it's funny. The uh, the Tampa Bay comparison came up, and I was thinking about this when I made it as well. Davey Mendez, who's their closer, actually pitched in the Rays system. So there's a bit of a connection there. But, yeah, they just have so many quality arms, and it feels like every arm that comes out of the pen is better than the last. Adam Jaffeen started the game on Sunday. You know, he was kind of pitching in and out of trouble all day. And then Casey Howard comes in, shoves it for an inning. Um, Chris Boato, who's been one of the most effective left-handed relief pitchers in the league for the last few years, he comes in, he shuts it down. And then Davey Mendez, there's, there's nothing else to say about him. Game's over once you get to that point. But it, it's very similar to the Rays, right, where it's just guys that just, you know, like you look at a guy like a Casey Howard. He's throwing the ball incredibly well right now. Uh, last year also threw the ball pretty well. Before that, you know, didn't have a whole ton of success in the league. Um, but he's kind of rewrote the narrative around himself. And Chris Boato before – um, you know, in the pre-COVID days with Burlington, he was he was a starter. Uh, you know, he was a fine pitcher, and now he's become dominant. And so, it's uh, it's it's very it's very Rays like. And then you look at their offense. Hogan Brown currently leads the league in uh, in batting average. He wasn't even a consistent starter last year because Wellens outfield was so loaded. And you know, Justin Gideon leaves, who's one of the best players in the league goes to the Frontier League, and Hogan Brown steps in his place, and, like, what more can you ask of the guy? The guy's hitting almost 500. And so it feels like, you know, it's just relentless and it's constant, and they don't, you know, they're, A, they're never out of a game, as they proved on Sunday, and even Thursday, you know, like, not the prettiest wins in the world, but they found a way to get it done. Sure, they were kind of handed the game uh, by Guelph and, you know, Kitchener made a couple bad errors when, when things really mattered. But that goes back to their bullpen, right, and goes back to their pitching staff is you have no margin for error against this team. And that's they're the only team in the league that I can say I, I don't see a real flaw. And so other teams are going to have to step up their level because while Wellen's not going to win 40 straight games to finish the season – uh, it's going to be, you're going to have to go out and take the game from them. They're not going to give it to you. Well, they're certainly looking like they could <laughs> string together 40 wins in a row if they wanted to. So we'll just have to wait and see if the Well and Jackfish can continue to prove that they are the force to be reckoned with in the IBL. I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a bold prediction here and I could get radioed for this if this you know, they might blow this game out, but um, my prediction is the streak ends Sunday afternoon at the pits. Um, I just think that that gives them 14. That, that would put them at 14 straight, which is absurd. Uh, four, playing four games in four days, very difficult to do um, and very difficult to, to sweep a set like that in the IBL. I just think that Sunday afternoon at the pits – Weird things happen there all the time, and it's it's the the perfect storm for a scheduling loss type type of situation. So uh, that's my prediction: is that that streak comes to an end uh, Sunday afternoon. Well, we've seen the Jackfish come into the pits and put on a clinic, come out with a win, especially earlier this season. We saw that. So all eyes 
Would you consider that to be your, um, I guess, matchup of the week? All eyes on Sunday afternoon. I think it has to be right. You got the top so. two teams in the league going up against each other. Yeah. Um, I think that. I think that has to be the the matchup of the week. I guess you could also say Thursday when Welland plays Hamilton. Uh, could be a really interesting one. Hamilton, one of two teams to beat Welland this year. Um, so I think that one also could be could be an interesting matchup for them. And uh, so, yeah, I think until Welland loses, I think their games are the ones that we're going to be looking at the most to see how long does this streak go on for, you know? Right on. Well, all eyes on the streak. Of course, all eyes across the IBL. I know that we do have games going tonight, which is Tuesday again, for those who don't know. This is Tuesday, June 20th. So the Baycats, Barry Baycats, they are taking on the Guelph Royals tonight at 7.30 p.m. That does it for Week 6 Power Rankings episode with myself, Andrew Stewitz, and our fearless co-host, veteran podcaster and veteran pitcher, Chris the Laser Beam Lazar. Appreciate the nickname. I'm calling you that now. You are now known as the Laser Beam. You want to be the first? Well, somebody nicknamed me the Stuntman last week, so we have to figure out if we like that or not. I'll get that story off the air. Yeah. (laughs) We might just cut that part of the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, that does it for both of us here on Inside Inner County. We'll catch you next week when we break down week seven of the IBL. Talk to you later. Later. Ciao for now.